Uh, hey guys, and welcome to the podcast, podcast, podcast about people who podcast. Uh, our guest for this episode uh, is the co-host of the Criminal Domain podcast, as well as an inventor, writer, educator, broadcaster, engineer, futurist. The list goes on. Uh, it is Mark Pesci. How you doing? Hi there. Uh, first question, uh, we're going to just open it straight up and go with the, what drew you into the, the podcast as a medium? Uh, podcasting is one of those things where if you like to tell a good story and you like to have a good conversation with people while you're telling a good story, then podcasting works really well. And I have been a public storyteller because I'm a public speaker for years now. And I think podcasting was another way to be able to tell really interesting stories. Now, a few years ago, a friend of mine, Jason Calacan, is a very successful internet investor. He was investor number two in Uber and has made, you know, God knows how much money out of that, came to me and said, look, I'd like you to start a podcast in Australia about startups because he had one going and he wanted to sort of see if he could franchise the model a little bit. And I started doing that. Uh, back in 2014 and found that I really enjoyed it, but also that while I wasn't particularly good at it when I started, the more I did it, the better I got at listening to people, to responding to them, to becoming a better interviewer and to putting together better narrative arcs for my shows. It all comes down to that, I guess, telling a story um, section of it. And for Criminal Domain specifically, uh, I heard you've been working on that for quite a while uh, before uh, it released its first episode. Yeah. So the idea behind Criminal Domain was to take real stories about real people who had had real cyber attacks against them. And so there's a whole range of different stories. Taylor is this social media star who was basically posting to Instagram when she was traveling in Lebanon and in Turkey and hackers were reading the data off the photos to figure out that she wasn't at home and therefore locked her out of her bank account and stole her money. And then Glenn, who's actually a famous person in tech in New Zealand, downloaded a file to help his daughter cheat game codes, which is a pretty common thing, but it turns out it was ransomware and it locked his computer up and he basically had to enter hostage negotiations to get his computer back. And you hear about these people who are in some sense normal people having these truly extraordinary things happening to them because what's happened in the last 10 years is that our entire lives have become what in computer security we'd call a threat surface, an attack surface, that the more we get connected, every connection that we have presents a way for a, a hacker to attack us. And we're all walking around very vulnerable. And what we wanted to do is to highlight some of those vulnerabilities so that people could be more careful. So I guess the, the big goal of the podcast as a whole is is just that, opening people's eyes to, to what the situation is? Well, I think it's to tell a good story. I mean, that's your first job. You don't tell a good story, none of the other good <laughs> stuff is going to happen. So we do have these really good stories of these really – it's true crime, but it's true cyber crime. So there's not bodies anywhere or anything like that. And there are there is some criminal justice in, in intersection there. This the, the episodes that we're releasing right now, Anton 1 and 2, have to do with a police officer in the Victorian police force here in Australia and how a stolen laptop basically – led to the discovery of 
a crime family that's kind of half animal kingdom and half the matrix. You know, they're sort of parents and brothers and sisters, and they're just stealing everyone's identity documents and getting lots of credit cards. Cause it turns out that in an evening, if you have enough identity information on a person, you can get 50 credit cards at $2,000 a pop and instantly produce a hundred thousand dollar credit line, which you can then expand just drawn and then just dump everything. And that poor person is now on the hook maybe for a hundred thousand dollars. And you've gone on to the next person's identity you've stolen. And they have an entire system set up for this, which was exposed accidentally because the laptop that they stole had some software on it that allowed the boss to monitor what the workers were doing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's these moments and it's these stories But it opened this window onto this is how these thieves are actually working. This is what they're doing. And this is why we need to be really careful with all of that information. So you've done all sorts of things throughout the tech industry. Uh, Why cybercrime, I guess, specifically for this one? Well, again, it has this cybercrime would not have been that much of an issue even a decade ago. But now everyone is carrying around a smartphone. The smartphone has now got all of the information we used to have in our wallets and in our bank accounts and often in our safe deposit boxes. And that digital representation has been done not so much cavalierly. I think I'd probably just say it's been done quickly. And we're only starting to understand the way it's made our lives more complicated. And part of what I wanted to do is to help people become aware of that just so they can be more careful. Not so that we are just sort of frozen in fear and cowering in the corner, because that's that's not the right way to think about it. But to always judge when you're doing something, when you're filling out a form online or responding to an email that looks real when it's asking you if you want to do this bank transaction, but in fact has one little character changed so that it's going to someone else so they can get into your bank account, that all of those moments just make you go, hmm, let me, let me just pause here and just investigate this a little bit. Uh, do you think in general uh, throughout the world that consumers are getting uh, better or smarter uh, when it comes to cybercrime or do you think they're getting a little bit worse? Well, I think for the things that we're used to, like spam, like when spam was a new thing and people were getting deals from princes in Nigeria, right? That was Mm. a new and exciting thing. And people didn't, a lot of people got snookered because we'd never seen them before. The Spanish prisoner dilemma, which is old, but got rejuvenated in the age of email. We're all used to those now. And so those kinds of attacks have kind of lost their force most of the time. But now we're seeing all of these new attacks because of all of these new technologies. And and so really the gap here isn't whether people are responding or learning. It's that the number of new attack surfaces is growing more rapidly than most people are capable of keeping up with. Is it a is it a case of a race that the attackers are sort of winning at the moment when a new attack surface appears? It generally is. I mean, there's this whole set of attacks called zero day attacks, which is a quite quite a technical term for something that's actually hacking into a computer. And a zero day attack means that as soon as that attack has been revealed, people can start using it. And in fact, you know, we're recording this in mid September overnight. There was a notification about this huge bug in Microsoft Windows, which is used on a billion computers around the world, which basically lets an attacker come in and, and take over that computer immediately. They need to patch that right away. But it's not just that. 
And again, this is something for listeners to think about. You need to keep all of your devices, all of your smartphones, all of your laptops, all of your tablets. You need to keep those up to date. Every time there's an operating system update, you need to put it on that device because these are the kinds of holes that can get opened up by a hacker that they can use to steal from you. Uh, talking about that sort of uh, opportunistic kind of attacks, do you have a, a particular story that maybe uh, stuck with you about cybercrime or uh, was just really interesting to you? There's, <laughs> there's a couple of episodes that are going to be coming out where there's this intersection between using email to steal someone's money when he's trying to transfer it to his kids and then that money ending up in a, in a bank account and it being taken out by a woman who was doing it because she was involved in a love scam. So there were these two completely sort of from the outside looking like completely independent, horrible scams, both of them. And they linked up in the middle here so that she was basically being used as the mule to take this money out of the bank for the faux boyfriend that she thought she had. And you just go, wow, because there's a whole level of sophistication there hmm. that in some sense, it boggles your mind, but it's also not just sophistication. Most of these hacks are not technology based. They're social. They're hacking our minds. And that that's the thing you come away with after that. That's, that's a sort of two parter that that whole story tells you that, in fact, the hackers are working more in our heads than they are in our tech. Um, I don't know uh, other companies, but I know our company uh, here in New Zealand, um, we we run specifically social engineering training mm. uh, for stuff like this. Yep. Um, do you think that sort of training should become uh, potentially mandatory in workplaces? So the answer to that is yes, it should be mandatory in workplaces. But frankly, my bank should be doing it for me. Anyone that I have that kind of confidential relationship with, my bank should actually be going, oh, Mark, you responded to that email. You shouldn't have. This is what we've learned, right? Or a notification on my smartphone or whatever it might be. That in fact, this is everyone's responsibility because again, these relationships create these attack surfaces. If a lot of these attack surfaces are there because people are poorly educated. And this is, again, this is where we can give ourselves a pass. Yeah, we're under attack, but it's a new attack. We do need to educate ourselves. And if we do that, then it, it really does take away a lot of the power that these hackers have. Uh, I want to take a, a quick sidestep uh, from cybercrime and do look at your other uh, podcast that you did mention a little bit, uh, The Next Billion Seconds. Uh, can you give people maybe a rundown of what that podcast is all about? So A Billion Seconds is 31 years and seven months. It's a generation. It's a good unit of time to think about when we think about the future. And what we do is we really try to take parts of that future and explain them to people and bring people in who are really working on that future. And again, it's not necessarily the future of 30 years from now. It's the road to 30 years from now, because my feeling is that if people understand the shape of that future, then they can position themselves both to make the best of that future and to avoid the pitfalls of that future it seems to 
I guess the common thread between it is the sort of education side of things and um, being a bit more aware of your surroundings, uh, more on a technological side of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, given that I've worked in the technology space for you know, 39 years now, which seems just incredibly long, I've seen a lot of this technology evolve. I've helped a lot of this technology evolve. Some of my technology was core technology for the World Wide Web when that was coming about in the early 90s. And I can tell you, because I know the folks behind the web, that none of us foresaw the world of disinformation and propaganda that we have today. What we saw was a universal library that would be a universal good. And you know what? We've got that. We absolutely have that. And it is a universal good. What we didn't understand was that there is a worm inside that apple. And if you're going to eat the apple, you're going to get the worm. And so a lot of what I want to do is to help educate people about how to bite around the worm. Just to avoid that uh, slimy taste. <laughs> exactly. And talking about helping people uh, avoid the uh, figurative worm, if you're if you're sending a message out to anyone listening, as sort of a some top tips uh, to keep them safe from cybercrime. Okay, first thing is never use open Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is great. It, it's free in lots of places. Always question if it's free because when it's free, it may mean that someone's reading it. Get a VPN if you can, a virtual private network. Some of them are free for small amounts. Some of them cost money. You can use the Norton one. It has one built into it if you get Norton 365 and all that stuff. But whenever you're out in public and you're using public Wi-Fi, use a VPN so that it hides, it encrypts, it hides what you're doing so that no one can read your bank details or your Instagram or whatever it might be. So I think at that level, you have to be very careful. At another level, if something, remember the rule, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And if something is attacking you at your emotional heartstrings, someone that you rarely hear from who's suddenly in a huge amount of trouble and needs your help right away, Remember that, yes, you want to do the right thing, but it's always good to do what you can to verify before you act. Yeah, I think people uh, use the right word there, right? It's emotional. It's the um, people are in a rush. People need it now um, and stuff like that, that at least in my experience at our workplaces sort of caught people out pretty quickly. Yes. And or that someone is in distress and you know, we're, we're, we're deeply empathetic. That's part of what we are as human beings. And we want to help relieve that distress. You know, I had someone because because I teach at Sydney University, the head of the school sent me this message. Oh, Mark, I, I'm sorry. I'm in this meeting. I can't do this thing. Can you do this thing for me? And I was like, and it was a financial thing. And I was like, wait, a minute. first off, that's not your university account. Could you email me back from your university account so that I know it's you? Of course, didn't hear back. Right. And I actually then went to her and sent the email to her and said, look, at this is happening. Someone is really trying to trade on your identity because that's the other thing you need to do is to follow up. If you see someone's identity sort of being stolen, you actually need to close the loop on that and let them know so that they can take the steps they need to to protect themselves. Uh, and potentially uh, changing tack a little bit if you're uh, talking out to people who may be uh, a sort of managers at a business level mm. uh, or something around that level, uh, some tips for them. Uh. Look, all of us are going to make mistakes, and I think we need to factor that in. 
I think that the other thing is to understand that if people are can be slower in their decision making because they're unsure whether something is the right thing to do, that's something that should actually be praised rather than damned. Because that level of thought is really where we're all going to need to be as we work in a more and more connected world. Sweet. Uh, and if people want to know more about the Criminal Domain podcast or listen to it, uh, they can visit criminaldomain.com.au. If people want to get a hold of you or catch you on social media, Mark? Yes. Yeah, so uh, com for the Next Billion Seconds podcast. I'm at M Pesci. That's M-P-E-S-C-E on Twitter. Or you can just Google Mark Pesci, P-E-S-C-E, and I'll come up. And uh, I guess any final words for uh, the listeners out there? Look, I, I hope everyone has a chance to listen to the Criminal Domain podcast. They're really good stories. They're a little bit scary. They're often really quite funny. But I think what we'll all do is we'll learn more about how to be a little bit safer. And that's a good thing. Well, thanks a lot for taking some time out of your day. Thank you.